0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. The text for this morning's sermon is the gospel appointed for Quinquagesima Sunday. The gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter, particularly uh, verses 31 through 34. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things... This saying was hidden from them and they did not know the things which were spoken. Thus far the Gospel. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Lord had been approached by the rich young ruler. Jesus comments after that, about how difficult it is for the rich to be saved, and people respond by saying, Well, who then can be saved? Jesus speaks the encouraging words, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And when it comes to our salvation, Jesus continues in the words of this morning's gospel. To explain to us just exactly how God is going to make our salvation possible. Jesus is going to engage in the ultimate work of love. Hence our epistle. He is one we would not expect. Given an anointing, we would not expect Hence the picture great David paints of his greater son in our Old Testament reading. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, Jesus says. You always go up to Jerusalem. It doesn't matter if you are going there from some place that is higher in elevation Or coming from the north, we usually, looking at maps, if you go south, we say you're going down to. If we're looking north, we say then you're going up to. Galilee was north of Jerusalem and higher in elevation, but still. You always speak of the trip to Jerusalem as going up. It is the city of King David. And before him even, the city of Melchizedek, the king of Salem, before it was renamed Jerusalem. It is the place where Jesus must go to be crowned. To be lifted up on his throne, to make sacrifice for those over whom he has come to be the king. And so he says to them all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. All things, everything they directly prophesied, as we read in Isaiah 52 and 53, everything their names, their words, and their actions pointed forward to, whether we think of Abraham's almost sacrifice of his son, or Joshua's name. And the picture he painted of the prophet who was to come. Joshua, Yeshua gets tweaked into Greek as Jesus, but it's the same name. Or Jonah's third day deliverance from the belly of the fish that had swallowed him. Or Hosea's self-sacrificial embrace. Of an adulterous bride. Christ was about. To go up to Jerusalem. And fulfill. All that they had said. And done. To point forward. To Christ. All. Things. Written by the prophets concerning the son of man must be accomplished. So this text comes up today on Quinquagesima, exactly 50 days before Easter. On Wednesday, we begin our Lenten journey to the cross with our Lord. Jesus is quite direct in telling the disciples how it will go. He will be delivered to the Gentiles. They were hoping he would defeat and subjugate them. He will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They were hoping he would be lauded and honored and praised. They will scourge him and kill him. But the disciples were thinking more along the lines of pamper him and say, long live the king. There was the promise That he would rise again on the third day. But if you have a doubting, skeptical mind, there's no way to put that to the test until you've moved beyond the point of no return. If he dies and he doesn't come back on the third day, you can't back up and say, "Well, that didn't work. Let's just not let him get killed in the first place." Too late for that. There will come a point. A point in this story and in po- a point in your own lives. There will come a point where there will be nothing but faith to go on. God strengthen us all for that day. For the disciples, the faith to believe these things would in fact not fully come until the resurrected Lord returns to them and gives it to them. For now, as our text says, they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things which were spoken. Do you suppose the Holy Spirit, speaking by the mouth of St. Luke, or the pen of St. Luke, was trying to drive this point home? Three times it says basically the same thing. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. They just didn't get it. So it is with the way of the cross. It is always so with the way of the cross. The disciples must have wondered. How can this be the plan as we walk the way of the cross ourselves that ends up being our question too maybe it's Russia and the Ukraine maybe it's who's running the show in Washington these days maybe it's the young man who dies of cancer leaving children and a wife behind. Maybe it's the marriage you really wanted to be till death do us part that crumbled. Or the wayward son, or the auto repairs, or the job hassles, or whatever it may be. When it goes from a consideration of Jesus' life under the cross to a consideration of our own lives under the cross. We too may find that we don't get it. We don't get it. We just don't get it. You understand Jesus' trek to the cross. We call this quinquagesima because it's 50 days from Easter and thus we are reminded even by the name of the Sunday that the resurrection is coming. The good that God would accomplish, the good of taking away the sin of the world, this He accomplishes by way of the innocent suffering and death of Christ. Not the kind of savior that we would have cooked up if it had been up to us to invent one. We'd have us a savior who looked more like, oh, Liam Neeson, Jason Bourne, somebody like that. Only God. Only God. Would have thought to do it like this. He sends his son not to float above suffering and death and so lift us up above it all, too. Rather, to partake of it, to drink of it, to experience the depths of it for us all. In order that our sufferings and yes, even our own deaths may be transformed into precious and holy things as well. And somehow we kind of get the first part of that equation. But it's easy to miss the second part. And I think that's because we look at Jesus' death and resurrection. It's been 2,000 years. We have a certain historical distance. We see how it all turned out for the best. Whereas our own sufferings are happening right now. And we can't see what the end of it all is will be, or what great use God may have of what just seems tough or maybe even miserable to us. We have nothing but faith to go on, and we can't conjure up enough to go on. It's not surprising that the next thing Jesus does is heal a blind man. By nature, we do not see. Only Christ can open our eyes to the salvation he comes to give us. As we confess in the catechism, I believe that I cannot believe. For the faith we need, we must indeed implore God the Holy Ghost to give us what we can't produce on our own. Nevertheless, dear ones in Christ, what we cannot see with our eyes in the name of the Lord and by the authority of His Holy Word. I implore you to believe. Believe that God knows what He's doing. I I saw on my phone before I came over for the service that our dear brother Jan is watching this morning thankful for to use his words the bullet he dodged but also I'm sure if it were me why is this the plan I implore you to believe that God knows what He's doing. And I need you to stop and just think about that for a moment. Believe that God knows what He's doing. In whatever it is that distresses you. In whatever cross it is that you bear in this very hour, believe that God knows what He's doing. You see it in what Christ has done You've probably seen it at various points in your life up to now. The Word of God assures you that it is so. And therefore, in the name of the Lord, I admonish you to believe it. The God who loves you will accomplish His good and gracious will by way of Whatever it is, you must endure now. Believe that God knows what He's doing. Jesus takes His Lenten journey to the cross, healing, showing compassion and mercy to others, such as the blind man in the second part of this morning's Gospel even while the weight of his own burden grows heavier and heavier upon himself. It is not without reason that the church gives us St. Paul's great love chapter for this morning's epistle. Jesus not only walks the road of suffering and the cross, but he does so in loving devotion to his heavenly Father and in loving service to others. Many of you will give up something for Lent. Others may take something up, regular devotions or some such. The example of Christ and the words of the Apostle speak to the attitude with which we must engage this. It is always tempting to get so focused on our own hardships, that we fail to see the hardships of others and thus fail to have compassion on them. We can even become prideful about our accomplishment, how we are bearing our cross, what we have given up what we have taken on. There's one word that I hate hearing in church and so just don't start. Level. I have achieved a new level of spirituality. Right? Our attitude can become like that of the Pharisee. I thank Thee, O Lord, (laughs) that I'm not like that guy. As he points to the repentant publican whose penitential prayer shows that he had his own load of shame that he was carrying. It is important to attend to what is driving us as we engage our Lenten devotion. Not self-betterment, so as to be proud of ourselves. Certainly not contempt for those that we think don't measure up to how well we're doing it. But rather love. Love for our Lord and love for our fellow man, especially for our brother and sister Christians. As we do, we will discover that all kinds of hard things about our own selves start popping up. How we fail to do what we've committed to doing. How maybe we've succeeded, but for the wrong reasons. Not because of love of God or love of fellow man, but just because we didn't want to think we failed. Dear ones in Christ, do the right things. And do them for the right reasons. Trust in God along the way that He knows what He's doing. Trust that He will have His merciful use of whatever hardships you endure. Examine yourselves and maintain an active discipline of repentance. As you do all this, and as I said, the more aggressive you are about pursuing righteousness and holiness of life, the more keenly aware you will become of your many shortcomings and failures, and yes, bald-faced sins, Thus, let it all point you with ever deepening gratitude to Christ, to His being mocked, insulted, and spit upon, to His scourging and His crucifixion on the cross for the forgiveness of all of your sins and for the sin of the world. It does turn Out well. Fifty days, dear ones in Christ. Fifty days. There will be an Easter. And whatever you endure, take heart. Because of Christ's death and resurrection. Though your path also may be one. Of suffering and will be one of death it does turn out well you too will have an Easter you too will rise and live everlastingly on account of the death and resurrection of our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.